Today on Bell and the Birdman, Adam Lefko actually puts you on trial for your Eagles fandom. Plus, we touch on Eagles Panthers. We get into what we actually think about Nick Sirianni, Miles Sanders, and the linebackers. All that and more from the Henry James Saloon. Taylor, hit the music! Welcome on in, everybody. We are live, and thank you for joining the podcast as we are here from the one Henry James Saloon. Oh, yes. Can you feel the liquid death flowing through my veins? Well, uh, now you can physically see it. Uh, Yes, indeed, we are starting off. Uh, quite differently tonight as, uh, well, first of all, it's dart night here, and let's remember that uh, always, but more importantly, the one and the only from, I, I, let's just say, multi-talented, multimedia, digital TV, and podcast superstar, and we'll find out, I guess, if he's still a Philadelphia Eagles fan at the end of this one, Vince Quinn. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Adam Lefko. Adam, what's going on, buddy? Hey. Good to see you. How are you? You know what? I appreciate seeing your face uh, because it's a very skinny face. You look amazing. Thank you. Um, But I will be honest and tell you that under the pretenses in which I've been brought here, uh, my blood is boiling. And (laughs) if you would like to start this immediately, I would like to get into it. Yeah, and I'm just going to be straight with you because I'm a friend, and I'm just going to tell you like it is. Everyone thinks you're a chicken shit because you you railed under Sirianni. They want you thrown out of the fan base. Vince and I really don't understand that in particular. Mm. So I'm just going to stand back and, and say, are you still an Eagles fan, and do you mm. want to belong in Chiefs Kingdom? Because that's where we're at, mm. my friend. So before I go, let me just give you I – have, I have exhibits A, B, and C really quick. First – this is the first Eagles jersey I ever got back when they didn't even have logos in the middle of the neck. And my mom apparently decided to use Ariel font for my name uh, and release <laughs> the circle. Okay. Brian Dawkins for those Eagles fans out there that just got on the bandwagon in 2017. Second thing that I have is a jersey that I made on East Bay back when they could do this. It is a Clemson Brian Dawkins jersey wow. with the name peeling off of the back that I used to wear to Syracuse football games because they were one in 10 and nobody cared about them anyway. And third and lastly of my exhibits before I go into my talking, when they won, it is a Brian Dawkins jersey made out of snakeskin because you can't kill me. Okay. (laughs) Now, I would like to say before I continue. Oh, yes. Before you go. You are talking to somebody right now and you are asking them if they should be allowed to be an Eagles fan. And by the end of this, I believe that the question that you'll be asking is, is Adam Lefko the greatest Eagles fan of all time? You are talking to a person that took a national NFL show, made his co-host Brian Westbrook, and centered every episode around the Eagles. You are talking to somebody that has got into yelling matches with Emmett Smith on camera about how the Eagles fans deserve more respect. You are talking to somebody that used to call WIP when I was in high school, lie about my graduation year to talk about John Runyon's hairy arms. You are talking to someone whose AOL screen name was Doc for MVP. I am sitting here as an Eagles fan that rooted for Rodney Pete and Mike Zordich having to defend myself. And I have to ask you, where were you? Where were you in the 2002 NFL draft when the Eagles broke everybody's face and drafted Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown, Michael Lewis, and Brian Westbrook? And if you're sitting there and going, who's Michael Lewis? Get out and give respect to one of the hardest hitting safeties in the history of the franchise. Okay, where were you? Where were you when the Eagles took Derek Barnett over Jonathan Allen? Where was I? I was on camera saying it was the dumbest move ever. You were probably one of those guys going, but he broke Reggie White's sack record. And I said, who cared? Where were you? When the Eagles took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, because I know where I was. I was going viral for saying that Justin Jefferson should have been the pick. You were probably in my mentions going, give him a chance. Why are you being so hard on him? Where were you? Where were you when Jalen Hurts got drafted? I 
immediately live went, I love this. I think he's the guy. You were probably going, but what about Carson? Yeah, the same guy that you ran out of town. Where were you? Okay. And that brings us to Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni is the reason that I'm even in this mess right now. One of the best parts about being a Philadelphia fan, not just an Eagles fan, is that if I disagree with you or I don't think that you're doing enough, it is allowed for me to get into your face and say, do better. It's the best part. Widely accepted. Utley, Dawkins, Iverson, Terrian. Certain people can handle it. Certain people can. And now I got all these Eagles fans saying that I need to give Sirianni a break, that I need to be understanding that it's his first time speaking in public. Sounds to me like the Eagles fans that I'm dealing with have changed. Sounds to me like they're soft. Sounds like you've lost your way. And so I ask you, should I be on trial or should all of you? I think it's a fair question, and I may have broken the stream. I'd like to welcome you in to the Adam Lefko Show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But what I think you've laid out is the fact that for years now, you have been calling these things out. You've been addressing that, yes, including people like me who are saying, Hey, uh, I, I actually had Jalen Rager above Justin Jefferson, and you calling me out like an idiot and saying, John, that's not right. It's actually panned out. Jonathan Allen, Derek Barnett, nailed it. Nick Sirianni, uh, and by the way, through the first four weeks of the season, I think everyone in Philadelphia is pretty much with you now. So I don't understand. If I really wanted to be the villain, I would have come out after that first week when everybody was blowing me out when they beat the Falcons, and I I would have said, do you remember how bad the Falcons' defense was last year? But I didn't tweet a single time because I am rooting for Nick Sirianni. I want him to prove everybody wrong. I want him to go full lasso. I do. But I don't understand these new Eagles fans that believe everything the Eagles say. It doesn't make sense. Part of being an Eagles fan is questioning everything, you know, like, and yet we're sitting here and we're going, oh, he's going to be the guy like Howie is God now. But like when Chip Kelly had those first two years, Howie was the nerd in the closet that nobody actually liked. Like, like, so I, I just don't understand it. I said the chiefs because it fulfilled two of my necessary quotas rooting for Andy Reid. And rooting for a Kelsey. It checked both of those <laughs> off. Okay? And but AFC, I, I look, if, we're, if we're being honest. It's AFC. It's okay. Uh, and it's a completely different conference. But I look at this Eagles team now, and I still think Nick Sirianni does a lot of good stuff. I think that what I saw, the offense against the Chiefs, and then I combine that with the Falcons game, and I just completely erase the Cowboys game because now Jalen Hurts has played two bad games in Dallas, which I have to remember. But – when, when the offense is straight ahead and attacking, and if, if Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith don't step out of bounds on routes, yep. we're having a different conversation about Jalen Hurts entirely. And the issue, yet again, is a defense that is an absolute sponge. Like, it just, it's a sieve. Everything gets through it. But it is, it is very interesting to face the fury of an Eagles fan base. But I, <laughs> that's my question for, for, for Eagles fans. All we do is boo our coach. And now you want to cast somebody out because they booed your coach. That's just an interesting thought. Well, Adam, I, I'm so glad that we're able to talk about this, by the way, because here I store a quick summary. So toasting the WIP, I did a show. It was the NFC Championship game, right? I didn't believe in Nick Foles. Why the hell am I going to believe in Nick Foles at that point? He was terrible. So I'm on WIP saying, you know, I, I obviously won him the win, but I'm like, guys, I don't see any way they're going to win this game whatsoever. And I became an enemy of the state. And that, that's what it is. People blowing up your mentions, saying terrible things about you. You're not an Eagles fan. God forbid you doubt anything about the team. And it's like, where does this sensitivity come from that you can't even question anything about the team without losing your fan card, which is like total arbitrary, bogus nonsense. It's crazy. 
I'll say one thing though. You should have lost your fan card for that. That's fucking. No, no, Nick. No, no. What are you? What are you? Oh, what are you, I'm Cowboys yeah. fan. Yeah, damn right. Damn right. Then put the Dallas star on my ass, baby. I, I because say, I'm all in. I also think that's a pretty shitty example, given the fact that he was like one of the only people in the city that didn't believe that they were going to win that game that weekend. Well, yeah. You know what? God so, forbid I was willing to say it. By the way, Nick Foles sucks ever since. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> ever since he left you know the Eagles, he's been garbage. Well, so, so, so you. We're picking against the Eagles. I predicted that Goskowski was going to miss a field goal in the Super Bowl, and it happened. So, ah, okay. <laughs> and actually, um, I remember the whole run. You actually made me believe the most because you pointed out and said, hey, they beat an NFC East or whatever whatever the thing was where you were doing I it with Sims. You combined it to together. 1990 New York Giants. Yes. And they had the same path. It was insane. It was just because I was doing a show with Chris Sims and we would he would always tell these stories about his dad, uh, his Super Bowl run when he got hurt and Hostetler came in. And he said enough stories over the years that like I just began to realize like it all added up and that Nick Foles was Jeff Hostetler. And to your point, just like Hostetler, Foles was never to be seen from again. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. No, he stunk. Um. And that's why I just I, I if there's if there's more that I'm missing with like, is there any other takes that are just they're just absolutely crushing you with or something that you were totally wrong with or something like that? Because I can't remember out of the ones that you just mentioned, like you were you were pretty dead on about. I said that Carson Wentz was going to be a lot better than Jared Goff. I still don't know if that's true or not. Um, I mean, I didn't even get Marcus Smith wrong. I I. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I'm mean, always there's, there's a lot I'm we've got I'm always wrong. wrong about free agent defensive backs. Like the okay. Yeah. Like, I'm always like, I'm always like, Nam the Asamoah, this is yeah. incredible. <laughs> but like, um, I and this is not me being sitting here and being like, I'm always right, because I'm wrong more than I'm right. Yeah. But I took the, like, I, I looked at someone last week and was like, the Eagles, I went on a Kansas City radio station last week. And I said that when I saw that the line was seven and a half, I was shocked because I thought it should have been 13 and the game ended at 13. And like, I bet against the Eagles all the time because I know what their limitations are. Not that I'm rooting against them. Yeah. Just like you were not rooting against Nick Foles in the <laughs> NFC championship game. I'm just very realistic. Yeah, you know, you were rooting against them. Yeah, no, I, was like, I, was, I don't know. I was like, put, put that on me. How dare you with these hand gestures and, and signaling things about that? I'm rooting for the team. Well, that, that uh, is the hold on. So, because a fascinating thing with this, Adam, that, that John touched on a little bit. It's like when you're an enemy of the people and it's on Twitter, like people start going through your stuff. Like they try to find so many ways to attack you. I mean, what has it just been like for you over the last couple of months uh, just being the enemy of Philadelphia Eagles Nation? I haven't been on Twitter that much. And Good for honest, you. It's, it's been <laughs> Good great. For you. Yeah. Like, I think, look, 30,000 feet view. The last two years, every social media has completely changed. Twitter went from a place that was really good to get news to a place that's like, why am I here? Like, I, to, to combat it, like, I, I get alerts from like Woj and Schefter so that like I get news when it happens. But other than that, like, you don't community build on Twitter. Twitter yep. is the equivalent of like opening the front door of your house and like yelling one opinion and then closing the door. <laughs> and that's Twitter. And so I just kind of not paid attention. I've been like, I'm going to use this Instagram thing because the people there <laughs> seem to be nicer. Oh, but, it's uh, way nicer. Yeah, I think, look, it's weird not having a podcast at all right now. Yeah. And so what happens is like I hang out with my friends and then I end up like going on rants and they're like, that's pretty good. And I was like, you're the only one that's going to hear it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Closed circuit so, Lefko. Yeah. So I think it's that's honestly what happens is I just kind of took the fuel away. And I was like, all right, let me wait for this guy to start one and one and three, and then I'll go on a podcast. And and here you are. <laughs> what 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 perfect timing. Exactly. <laughs> uh what uh and and we'll get back into the fandom and and things like that, but do you think because, you know, I'm probably smelling the roses and things like that. I just really believed in Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith coming into the season and a playbook that no one really knows and a lot of speed with a pretty healthy offensive line, which now looks like it's got a pretty decent amount of depth. Am I still crazy to think that this is a playoff team or what? I think you're less crazy than in years past because there's seven 
teams that go in and there's an extra game. So like there's a lot more room for possibilities. NFC West looks like it's a division that's going to get three. NFC South, in my opinion, looks like the Panthers and Saints will be battling and the Bucks are going to get in. Falcons are out. The North, you look at the Packers. I don't look at the Vikings. I don't look at the Bears. I don't look at the Lions. And so by that math, if it's three, two, one, that's five, six, there's one spot. And so that's your question for the Eagles. If they're going to make, can they win the division? Uh, And I think they're up against it now that they're down one to the Cowboys. And, but they do have the other one at home. And I think they can beat that team at home. It's going to be tough. They're going to be, I think that they are, I think that they're going to be like an eight and nine, seven and 10 to maybe 10 and seven, depending on these injuries. Because at least in my group chats, I don't think enough is being talked about how good Devontae Smith looks. And that, that is a huge deal for a, a franchise that's been trying to get wide receiver right. I mean, Nay Brown is like tattooed in my head as like, oh, he's really good in training camp, and then we don't see him. Actually, um, I, I talked to him directly. Do you know it's Nah? It is Nah Brown. I got it wrong my life. He said it's Nay directly, and I was like, that can't be right. I love that he becomes a local legend and pronounced his name wrong. Like that's yeah. that's so unfortunate. But uh, Devontae but look the, does look, look this, like the real deal. I think he looks special. I think that. I mean, they they were putting up points last week on a Chiefs team, and we went back to the nonsense of an injured offensive line in like two seconds. You know, Lane Johnson, mental health, I hope he's okay. Brandon Brooks gone for an extended period of time. Like, that's what scares me is that was the reason we had so high hopes for this year is there's no way this offensive line could get that hurt again. And they did. But yet they were still able to score. But defensively, I understand Howie's philosophy that certain positions aren't as important. And he circled Uh-oh. them as running back and linebacker. Yeah. But like we against good teams, we just get destroyed. And this is how it was in the Andy Reid era, too. If you guys remember, like we would we we would have like Barry Gardner at middle linebacker and he couldn't stand up to the run. <laughs> so then we got LaVon Kirkland, who oh, was like yeah. 300 pounds. Like, other than Jeremiah Trotter and like eight games of Stuart Bradley and a season and a half of Jordan Hicks. We haven't had a middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. And there, there was a huge part of me that watching that Cowboys game a few weeks ago, I was like, I love Devonte Smith, but Micah Parsons would have been a lot of fun. Oh and, man, what's wrong with everybody? Okay. Yeah. All right. We're, we're, we're really there with linebacker. Like yeah. I'm just, holy yeah. crap. Left yeah. I guess I just, the issue is that like this guy, this era of like, punch you in the face and there's just that like our i don't like javon hargrave is amazing and fletcher cox four years ago was amazing but like i don't know we're at a time now where that identity when's the last time the eagles have had a hard-nosed defense i don't know and i miss it 2011 right 10 somewhere around there i mean in just terms of i i yeah everyone is everyone is feeding for the blitz, everyone is feeding. But I'm just listen. The, the the problem with this defense and this defense only is it doesn't have any red zone. The same with the offense. Like I don't mind what this defense does. D- do they need upgrades at linebacker? Absolutely, they do. But you guys are looking for the Micah Parsons of the world and spending all, like I, I probably could go through the entire last year's draft class. That's two years of draft class, and linebackers have not mattered. It has to be a truly special middle linebacker type of guy that you spend resources on and by the way i'm not sure michael parsons is it in terms of that sure like is he a pass rusher great the same with the, the that everyone wanted uh jalen uh, jalen smith uh, to come off the waivers and be like oh that's something you need no you don't need a guy who can't cover and, or was okay at covering and really bad at run defending you need better d tackles behind fletcher cox and behind hargrave that's the only way that you're going to fix well, this problem you're have to put d tackles at linebacker right now because those guys can't play the linebackers are terrible like you have to be at this point like i've i've been anti-linebacker in the first round adam i've i've been totally against that i've been with roseman on it but some point you see him roll the dice 40 times and none of these guys hit you just go all right fellas it's time to cash in you got three first round picks maybe this year like 
If there's a guy, go no, get No, I, I agree with you. Don't take the linebacker in the first round, but like know what your blind spots are. Like Bill Belichick used to draft wide receivers early, and then he was like, I suck at this. I took that Chad yeah. Jackson kid out of Florida, and now he just gets him in free agency. Yeah. You know, and it's like you have to know what your blind spot is, and they cannot figure that out. But I had hoped – and I think the Eagles Super Bowl year was obviously their probably their best defense just because everybody was in their primes. But I also think it was because we had an abundance of safeties on the team. Yeah. And I think that one way to combat not having linebackers is to kind of just sign a lot of safeties and having Jenkins and having McLeod and multiple guys, though, that like, you know, you're putting three or four out there that can cover a team like the Chiefs. But I still don't think we know what this Eagles team is yet. Like mm-hmm. to your like to your point, John, like I just I still think we have questions because you're going to learn about fight with your team with the Chiefs. But in my opinion, you just played the Cowboys and the Chiefs and you tried to beat both of them in a shootout. Yeah. And I think with with a with a, a, a second year quarterback that has started six games with an offensive line in shambles. And so I think the only reasonable question is right now are the people that are making the game plans making the right decisions? Because the way that I look at the Chiefs and the Cowboys is, oh, so Micah Parsons is playing defensive end? Well, then we're going to put Goddard on that side and we're going to run at him. Yes. Yep. And, and, and I got killed for saying that too and they never did it. So thank you for, uh, yeah. And, and also like Jalen Hurts, I think, has developed as a passer, but the play action and all that stuff works better when you run him a lot. And like he is built to run like he is not Kyler Murray. Like he is a big dude. So I I think my my thing is, is it looks like they have a lot of plays and it it looks like, you know, I'm sure they're getting feedback from Jalen too. And I'm sure they're like, we probably can't run because we're missing Lane and Brandon Brooks. But I saw Brandon Staley's quote, uh, and the video that everybody was like going nuts over yesterday about how you can't lose the run game because you need to have physicality to just mess up defensive linemen. And I took two things from it. One, wow, that guy's a genius. But two, can Philadelphia now understand why Nick Sirianni's press conference can make you feel a certain way? Because when another new hire goes and talks like that, and you realize that your coach will never talk like that, just understand that like oh he's so boyish and like if i was on like a camera i would be nervous too you're not a head coach you're not being paid millions of dollars you're listening to me which means you need to do something better with your time and so that's (laughs) i i just that position is about being a leader of men urban meyer showed this week what not to do but like it also means having a strategic mindset. And Sirianni seems like a guy that's like a really cool guy to hang out with. But I still think we should be questioning right now his game plans. Oh, yeah. That's probably been my biggest critique. It's just like it always looks like the right amount of stuff at the wrong time. Or it's the red one especially is right insane it's just it just looks like you're trying a bunch of things down there there isn't a bread and butter that's been installed and that's kind of the i can't believe i'm going to say this the one thing i do miss about the the doug peterson eras that was one of the things that they were highly effective at and sure like the the third and longs that's how you make your bread and butter in this league too but it just seems like they're outsmarting themselves at every turn almost like that that energy that you're talking about oh, here's a perfect opportunity to get the crowd in this. Watch this. Bing, pow, boom. Or even just simply like missing Zach Ertz (laughs) on the first drive. It's just I see them being such of an an explosive offense, even with just Hertz and Devontae, which is why my next question might hurt and sting a little. And this is the other thing we've been arguing about. Like, is it Miles Sanders or is it the scheme? Because I think it's Miles Sanders. Here's what I really think. This is a, as of we see now, a run-pass-run offense where if miles is in there sure but that's 4.1 yards per carry maybe you know and then instead i've got a chance to hit 7 11 20 touchdown in the air or i can run by myself which is probably good for six or seven so why on earth am i handing off to miles sanders who seems like he's one dimensional i was wondering what you thought over the last few weeks if you saw the same thing or if you think differently on that i think the big thing that makes me somewhat see your vision is that when Gainwell touches the ball, I sit up in my seat. And Same, so yep. it's <laughs> it's not as much of a comment about like, I can't tell if, if Sanders has the same burst, but I know that when Gainwell gets out there, suddenly I'm like, whoa. And that's because that's, I, I think also with Sanders, I always go back to that Buffalo game 
because it was like his best performance as a pro. And so like, there's part of me that's always like, oh man, we're going to get that back again. But I think it gets back to identity because when I watch a lot of these drives, like the Chiefs game had a few that were good, that built on themselves and that there was momentum there. But I think to your main point, would I rather spread out a defense and have Jalen run or like line up with two tight ends and have Miles run? And I'd rather have Jalen. But that's also because I don't think any of us know if Miles is an elite third down back or true. He's not a bell cow. He's not a he's not a one two. And I, I think also I think Brian Westbrook actually screwed up a lot of our heads in thinking that <laughs> yeah. like smaller guys can do it. But like Brian Westbrook was like 220. Like he was a huge dude. I kind of agree. So you guys argue about this? Vince thinks he's a, a big part of the offense and just like it's the coach is screwing him over. And I just think it's the player. It's been two different regimes that haven't really given him the go. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people were right. And a lot smarter people than me is like, yeah, this guy has vision problems up the up the mm, wazoo. Yeah. So I, I see that constantly uh, on game days now. And I haven't gotten that out of my head. But. I don't know. You think well, he just needs more carries? To- <laughs> here's, here's part of it for me. I'm certainly not like literally going into the stadium like some people are and chanting run the ball. I'm not going to do it. I refuse <laughs> to do it. All right, it's not happening. But uh, I, you know where I've landed with Miles Sanders? Remember a couple of years ago, and this, this is now my ca- Cowboys fandom coming out, Adam, is uh, <laughs> thinking about when they had Marion Barber and Felix Jones. Totally. And, oh, God, and remember yeah. Felix Jones? Like Felix Jones was a, a quality, not every down, home run hitting running back. That's Miles Sanders. He gives you that. You can't give him the ball every down. You need a guy that gives you more consistent running game because they don't have that. They want the physicality. That's why I trade for Marlon Mack. But uh, for now, all you have is him and Gainwell, and that's all you got. So the running Mm. game is going to stagger anyway. They don't trust him for the holes, and you pass all the time to Gainwell. It is what it is. I haven't heard the the vision thing, but I'll definitely start watching for it more. Yeah. And I'll I'll have to hit up Westbrook and see what he says. I think another issue that I'm having with this Eagles team is like maybe it's because of all the offseason rumors about Zach Ertz being traded. But the fact that like Zach Ertz, I don't know if he is, but is he like I feel like he's leading the team in targets. And after ev- next, yeah. <laughs> and like every time he looks like the ball's like a step away from him. And I'm I've gotten to the point where like I don't think Jalen Hurts is missing these throws. Zach Hurts is just slow and not that guy anymore. Like the the miss in the end zone was was totally a miss, but and look, uh, this is the thing that sucks about being honest about football players is when that decline happens, it is drastic. And we talk about them in the present, but we are not diminishing what they've given to us in the past. Zach Ertz is one of the best tight ends that we've had in this franchise. And I'm not going to blame him for the fact that who was the, uh, the, the, the linebacker, the linebacker that we had that was good and that he got in trouble with uh, Wall Street. Oh, uh, Kendrick. uh, Michael Kendricks. <laughs> yes. Zach Ertz's career started to disappear since Michael Kendricks was on Hard Knocks with the Browns and said, all you got to do is hit him. <laughs> and when he said that, that Zach Ertz has never been the same. But right now I'm just like, okay, how do we put Goddard in that position? Like, how can we flip them? Why isn't Goddard getting – like, because Goddard in that last game against the Chiefs, was amazing. And I'm just sitting there and going, why am I watching Zach Ertz? No offense, Zach. I love you. I love your brother. The whole family's great. Uh, but I'm just talking about decision making right now. But <laughs> well, yeah, nice, nice to, yeah, no, and, yeah. And well, here and Taylor helped us out Rank here. Rank the options. Number one, Devontae yeah. Smith. Number two, I would go Dallas Goddard. Number three, I'm going Quez Watkins. Number four, yes. Damn, I think I might go Gainwell over Rager. Yeah. Yes, that's do the it. Guy. You have to. Yeah, I would go Rager five, and then that makes Ertz. But it, by target, Smith is thirty-one, Rager's twenty, Ertz is nineteen, and Goddard uh, isn't even the top three. So uh, he's uh, sixteen for uh, Dallas Goddard. Watkins has fourteen. That needs to be flipped for sure. I think they're still trying to force Rager in there. I've got accepted at this point that like he's just the worst route runner I've ever seen in my life, man. And it, he just can't. He runs two routes. Yeah, and still from still from. From the time that you interviewed him till now has not improved on any of that. So, like, I'm wrong. Sucks. But, yes, like, Dallas Goddard needs to be a massive part of the passing offense just as well as Kenny Gainwell and just as well as Watkins does. Go with I, – I would hope that after the next three weeks we see a lot more of that happening unless – I mean, are, they st- are we still thinking that someone is trading for Zach Ertz? And more importantly, do you think someone could trade for Fletcher Cox at the deadline? Yes or no? Ooh. Jeez. Oh, man. 
you know, and that's that's a thing is I'm I'm looking at people on Twitter being like, I, I think it was like Le- I literally unfollowed Les Bowen because he tweeted <laughs> that Fletcher Cox was the best player on the Eagles defense. And I was like, You're gone. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Like he's not even the best player in his position unit. Like yeah. it's Javon. But um Oh, that's that's really interesting. We're getting up to that like week seven, week six, week seven trade deadline. The, the only thing I was going to say about the Goddard thing is I understand he's a great blocker. And with the offensive line in shambles, I understand that you got to keep him in. Trades are tough. I, I I don't know if the coach wants to win over a locker room trading one of the captains like that's uh, not a captain, but like, a, like a legend. But yes, yeah. in my opinion, Fletcher Cox is the second best defensive lineman in the history of the Eagles. Reggie's one. He's two. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, Reggie, like, Reggie probably thinks he's a Packer and like, I know like Jerome Brown and all that. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, just like I think Malcolm Jenkins is the second best safety in the history of the Eagles behind Dawkins. Oh yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. But the, and the Fletcher Cox thing is, is crazy too, because before the season there was stuff coming out like, oh, well, they're not so happy with him and the way he keeps himself in shape. And then he starts the season and he's not playing that well. And it's yeah. a lot of criticism that he's not making things happen with double teams. And, and I'm in this weird spot now where I'm thinking, all right, well, the guy, if he can't handle double teams all the time, then that is a change. But also he's getting double teamed on every single play. You know what I mean? Like if they switched it and Hargrave was getting double teamed and Cox was one-on-one, what does he look like? You know what I mean? Like, I just oh, don't know where Cox is, that. how you're good he is. The next few weeks. Also yeah, I, like the, sorry to interrupt you. Like, I don't think people are talking enough about Brandon Graham and, and not just like what he did as a one-on-one matchup, but every story that I've ever heard about Brandon Graham is that he was the voice of the defense. He was the guy that intimidated the offense. He was the guy that talked trash the entire game. And when your bully isn't there and suddenly no one's talking anymore. And, and I, I just feel like when I watch the Eagles defense right now, it's quiet. And when, when BG was out there, it was an intimidation type of thing. And I think that he was the heart and soul of this defense, and I think it's going to take a week or two more to adjust to his loss. Yeah, and that's why I'm honestly probably not as overly concerned about the defense moving forward is because they got caught in the worst position possible, which Brandon Graham goes down against your division opponent. Then you have six days to try and recorrect that against, oh, hey, no big deal, just like the most high-powered offense in the NFL yeah. that can turn it on or off when you want to. So. I, I think we're being extremely dramatic about linebackers, extremely dramatic about how many points this defense is suddenly going to give up. It's probably going to go back to the mean at some point. How they correct that, I, I have no idea. <laughs> like, to your point, more safeties, yes, all that. But, you know, I, I, uh, Brandon Graham is, a, is that big of a deal. Like, it can knock you out for two weeks and you have no idea what's left. Mainly because, to your point, Derek Barnett's still here, man. Yeah. Help, is he? Help me out. <laughs> what is it, what do we, what, what is You're talking the to the wrong guy. You're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> I, I think I I'm talking to the right draft guy. Night, I, I, on draft night, I called him the fat pass rusher because I, would, I was like, this guy has a gut. And then people would be like, imagine if you turn that into muscle. And I was like, he's that, uh, whatever. <laughs> I think, though, like to your point, though, we have to remember that, yes, the Eagles put up 30 against the Chiefs. But also, if that first fumble on the goal line comes back, okay, now we're at 23. Yeah. Okay? Also, the Chiefs have one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL. And so I I think that just like we're being a little too hard on the Eagles' defense, I think we're crowning the offense a little bit much because um, they're about to face Carolina. And while... We don't know if Christian McCaffrey is going to play, and and if he plays, the Eagles linebackers will be focused on him. Oh, yes, but, and but, losing too, yes. But <laughs> Brian Burns on the other side is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and this Panthers team is fast. I think that we're actually going to learn more about Jalen Hurts against the Panthers than we did against the Chiefs uh, just because man, a lot of guys look good against the Chiefs, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's pretty dead on from everything that we've kind of looked and seen this week. Uh, interestingly enough, from our dark side bookie, there's only 57% of the money line is on Carolina, which makes me feel a little 
mm. a little good about, hey, you can come in and, and steal this one or whatever it is. I actually don't think Carolina overall is impressive. They're very well coached. Uh, their wins were okay. Uh, and I would say, like, man, it, 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 Christian McCaffrey is, like, one of the biggest linchpins for their offense. Their offensive line, this is actually probably the best get-right game for this defensive mm. line because they should rip these guys apart. You know, like, I, honestly, I didn't expect the Chiefs' offensive line to be as dominant as they were, and that's what I think is a big problem. But I dare to say I think the Eagles are going to win this week. <laughs> Well, it's a measuring stick game, yeah, right? It's a, it's, I mean, it's, it's not like Carolina's so much better than them. It's right in the ballpark, and if they beat yeah. Carolina, you feel pretty good about things. It's a, it's a nice matchup for them at this point in the schedule, for sure. Was it the Super Bowl season when the Eagles won a really big Thursday night football yep. game over the Panthers? Exactly oh, yeah. Right. And that was like an, oh, crap, let's take this team for real. And it was, I think the play was like a third or fourth down, and Nigel Bradham made the big t- Nigel yep, Bradham was the last good Eagles. Linebacker. Yes, he was <laughs> the one right. No, he, he, that's the for two percent. Yes, yeah, he really was. He yeah. was exactly what we wanted. Yeah, um, which is just like as you say, John, an affordable, athletic guy that can kind of cover people and is physical, um, which we haven't had. But I think actually, John, you might be right because last week it was like a win one or else game for the Eagles, but it was really one for the Chiefs. Because they're one and two. Andy Reid was in the hospital the week before, and people were like, I don't know about this team. Now the Eagles are the team that it's like, if you lose this game, like you're in deep shit. And the questions are now starting to come on everybody, and the Panthers are feeling themselves. But I think you're right that I think the Panthers are a little bit overrated in that they came in. I remember Warren Sharp had them as facing the easiest defenses for the first five or six games of the year. So really, this shouldn't be that surprising. I think the game that kind of shocked a lot of people was the Saints. But I also think it's because the Saints had the ultimate letdown game after destroying Aaron Rodgers in week one. Definitely. And so I think that we were J- Jalen, uh, uh, Jameis Winston and threw five touchdowns, but like he threw for less than a hundred yards you know like i just think that what i've learned from covering the nfl for a long time is week one messes with people all year long because everyone puts so much attention on that first game and they instead of looking at what their preseason predictions were they look at week one and it it messes them up and i think the fact that like the eagles started the way they did it got people talking about like 11 and 6 and 12 and 5 and it was like (laughs) Guys, remember what we said before the year, you know? Yeah, which was 11 wins in a division title, and let's just be honest about it. I switched. Oh, of course. Oh, he's course. been all over that. And you know what? He, I, I went with him on the ride, and I worked from like an 8 and 10 to like, or whatever it is, 8 and yeah. 9, to uh, I got to 10 and whatever it is. Yeah, well, and how and I got to 11 was everyone started saying 10, and that had been my number pre-draft. I go, this mm. team is going to win 10 games because no one believes Jalen Hurts is good, and that's really my reasoning here. And uh, it forced to 11. I, I couldn't see them getting to 11 games now after the it started. But, hey, I think in four weeks, this team's going to look completely different. I, we, we start it now because they were like, hey, well, Carolina's a good team. And, like, it just needs – you just need one win to link it back to San Francisco for ever, the entire fan base to say, see, and that wasn't so bad in the ro- long run and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because they're really they, – to Jalen Hurts' quotes, they are really close – Probably not defensively. I don't know what the hell they're doing there. They don't. When someone says, you know, let me address that real quick. They said, I don't have a scheme. Drives me crazy. Yes, they do. And they don't have a dime package right now. Which like, is ludicrous. You just That's got through a ludicrous saying, statement. Fitch just got through saying that these linebackers stink out loud. So is, it, is, is he also saying, hey, our defensive backs and our safeties and our corners also stink? Because that's really the reason? Yeah, Zach McPherson didn't have a snap. Right? I think that's what he's saying. When Brad Stevens first started off with the Celtics, he said that I play positionless basketball. And because he had this built-in equity of being like a really smart guy, everyone loved it. And then towards the end, they were like, yeah, but like, what is your point of all of this? And I think that it's very fun to say positionless defense. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I don't know, man. I don't know about the next four or five weeks, 
But I do think that there's like that five week pocket at the end of the year that's going to get us hyped up where it's like we play the Giants and Washington four out of five games and the other game is the Jets. That from week 12 to week 17 and there's a bye in week 14. That's where I feel like we're going to be like hopped up on Eagles again. But we're going to the Panthers and that that would be a big win if John's right. Then a home against the Buccaneers on a short week, which... Dear God. Anything can happen on a short week, baby. Right? Let's go. (laughs) To Vegas, stay on the road to the Lions, home against the Chargers in an afternoon game, go to Denver and take on Vic Fangio's defense, host the Saints. Like, I I don't really feel comfortable. It's that that Giants and Washington and and Jets where I'm like, that's how we get to seven, eight. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like that pocket with the Lions gets me to eight. The division stinks, which is the best part of this, right? Like, outside of Dallas right now, the offense looks honestly way better than I thought it would. But, man. I'm afraid that Dallas is going to go to the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen, man. It's just, come on. This this happens every single year. Can I just remind everybody while while this is, it seems like a big reminding episode, which is great. The Dallas Cowboys always start out this way in the first quarter of the season. It's never not been true. Almost since Dak has been there, right? In one of those those times, they have gone 13 and three. And that was when everyone thought Ezekiel Elliott was amazing. And now he's got the wide receivers to back it up. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's been more seizing. He looks phenomenal. It's because like they face the Giants, like they would always face the Giants in week one on national TV. I remember Ryan Rossillo like went off one year, like nobody (laughs) wants to watch this game. But the difference about this Dallas team is they win a slugfest against the Chargers. Yep. They look really good against the Buccaneers. They destroy the Panthers and Eagles. And I'm just sitting there and I'm going, it's all kind of clicking. The one thing that's going to hold them back and the main reason I would bet against them is I have no faith in Mike McCarthy. Yes. Where I was going. And, and that's the reason at the end where I'm like, he's not out coaching Bruce Arians. He's not out coaching Sean McVay. And he's not coaching, out coaching Kyle Shanahan. Um, but Dallas Green Bay, Mike McCarthy versus Rodgers would be pretty fun if that happened. Uh, yeah, I would. I, it, and and for Rodgers to just stick it, stick it in them one more time and just be, oh, sorry, instead of the catch rule, it'll be something else dumb this time. It'll yeah. be great. Yeah. CeeDee Lamb will be in the back of the end zone complaining about it for years. It'll be awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I could root for all that. But, <laughs> yeah, like you look around at the rest of it, all the talk about Washington. Oh, my God, the front seven of Washington. There's there's bronze statues outside of the stadium already for all those defensive linemen. Like where where is that? That team's not that yeah. good. They're so it's, uh, That's like weird. Like I I actually think that some of the best football analysts are actually fantasy analysts because they're actually the football analysts that use uh statistics instead of anecdotes and like here's a play of Chase Young. And I'm like that's one play out of 80 in the game. But like sure. <laughs> Um, and I, I like Chase Young, but like what there's like this rule in fantasy that I think one out of the top 10 defenses, like the average of top 10 defenses that come back the next year as in another top 10, it's like two out of 10 every year. There's no stickiness to good defenses year to year. Even the Steelers, like the Steelers are like a shell of themselves. And last year, Minka Fitzpatrick is going to win like defensive MVP. You know, it's. It, defense flips all the time, but good offenses stay. But yeah, yes. like, and if Washington doesn't have that, they don't have anything. People are starting to buy into Daniel Jones again. Like, <laughs> oh, I, whoops. Yeah, I like, it. I love g- that. G- allow him to. I, I get like, it's still, I think Mike from PFF, one of the PFF guys just said that pre draft that everything's going to be okay. And everyone's just been sticking to that for, like for that, the last again, few seasons. Am I going to put my trust into Jason Garrett? No. Like, not at all. Absolutely not. So you have Mike McCarthy, Jason Garrett, and then Washington with, you know, all those. Yeah, I, and Sirianni's not that great. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, so far, like, Adam, I would love your take on this, Adam, because he ran a game with no motion whatsoever like he did a whole nfl game with no motion did you see that what were your thoughts on that i just go back to the amount of podcasts i've done with warren sharp where like when you do like motion and play action there could be an argument that you should run it on every play 
And as somebody that subscribes to the Kyle Shanahan school of offense and how Kyle Shanahan runs more play action and motion than anyone else, and he is widely regarded as the best offensive mind in the NFL, and then you do the opposite of that, I don't think that you're finding an arbitrage. I just don't think that you're coming up with a good scheme. And it's those things where Again, football is small sample sizes. I'm not going to write off Nick Sirianni after four games. He's actually done a number of things that have impressed me. My question is, does he learn? Because that's where coaches are made. Not with, you know how they they always talk about, oh, I came in for my coach interview and I brought like a huge book of all my plays and here's what my schedule is going to be on my first day. It's about how you adapt. By the way, Nick Sirianni didn't do any of those things. In fact, the Eagles organization had to give him clothes because he came so unprepared to their meeting in Florida. Oh, remember that? No, you didn't? Oh, okay. I don't remember that at all. I'm going to have to go. No, that happened. I missed that. Are they dressing him now? (laughs) This was part of my issue. This was part of my issue with Nick Sirianni in the beginning. And again, I'm rooting for Nick Sirianni. But the reason that I got so upset in the beginning is not saying that you hire Eric Bieniemy and that was like a whole thing, but that he came, like he didn't have clothes for the meeting. Like he just kind of went and they were like, sorry, man. Like I wore a pole. (laughs) So then let me ask you this, because one of Vince's chin foil hat theories, along with, you know, a couple others of mine, which we'll certainly get on into uh, later on uh, this week. Then do you believe there is a possibility that Nick Sirianni, just like Ted Lasso, was hired to lose because... They're in cap hell. They've got to get rid of Ertz. They've got to get rid of Cox. They've got to, they can be competitive, but they're, the, the chances of Nick Sirianni being a, a great coach, if it hits, is phenomenal. And other than that, he's going to do exactly what he wanted to do, is not show up with just a polo on and have these guys go 1-16, in 16, essentially. I think as someone that loves to come up with conspiracy theories, that's a really good one, and I'm upset that I didn't come up with it. <laughs> uh, All right, we've done it. Ma- go, mainly Vince because Quinn. mainly because the Eagles, as a lot of franchises, winning a championship is incredible, but it's really hard to run a franchise when you have guys that were a part of that and you don't move on a year before you're supposed to. And so when you're sitting here with Zach Ertz on the roster – and you're sitting here with Fletcher Cox on the roster. And this was supposed to be the down year. I think right now the Eagles have three picks in the top 10. Am I right? Yep. Yep. That's right. So, man, Ted Lasso. It's such, it's <laughs> right? such a good conspiracy theory. He did not know anything about the sport coming in. So, I mean, so then, But then hold on. To fulfill the conspiracy theory, you have to have a coach that's not available right now that you think that they're waiting for. Because you don't go, oh, I'm going to do a Ted Lasso without the next guy in mind and try and match up those windows. So that would be my question is, who do you think? The guy that they wanted in the first place, that's Joe Brady. And now that that his offense is proven, it's perfect for Panthers week because you're going to look, well, can Joe Brady call? Because Matt Rule is a totally defensive guy. Can Joe Brady call a great game? The answer is yes. Is his offense great? Yes. Has has Sam Darnold already ran for six touchdowns? Yes. So if you think Jalen Hurts can do that, to your point, and get rid of Miles Sanders, get rid of Zach Hurts, get rid of Fletcher Cox, ride with Gainwell, ride with all these other different guys, and have Joe Brady be your head coach? Absolutely. Well, Urban Meyer's going to be free in a week. Urban Meyer's going to be free in a week. Yeah, that's another choice. Be available pretty soon. Uh, he's going to be on grinding with the stars. Um, I, the only thing that I thought about in my conspiracy brain was making it really come full circle. And then I got to go. Yes. Which is, I think that the Eagles started falling apart when Josh McDaniels reneged on the Colts. When he didn't go to Indy, they hired Frank Reich. Everything fell apart. Carson Wentz started talking crap about Doug. Doug got frustrated with Carson. And then just everything began falling apart. What if it goes full circle and then we end up with Josh McDaniels is the only like completed thing that I could see. Um, But I don't think 
I think now that Josh sees what he has in Mac Jones, I think that Josh is going, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to stay. Like Bill, Bill has kind of given the secrets and now it's like, yo, Mac looks so legit, like so legit. But I do like Joe Brady a lot. And Joe Brady does sound like a guy that gets drunk at a Penn State tailgate, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, man. I can't imagine how he was down in LSU. That's, a, that's speaking of guys he'd like to have beers with. Yes, please. Sign me up. Well, right. uh, if you can get six rushing touchdowns out of Sam Darnold, how many can you get out of Jalen Hurts? Right. Exactly, man. 40. And, and if, yeah, yeah. 40. And then exactly. What do you need Miles Sanders for? You got your running back. That's why I like you. Head. You're a big analytics guy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Adam... We appreciate it, man. Uh, Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Of course. We said 30 minutes always ends up being an hour. That's how awesome it is to just reconnect with you. Uh, Say hi to Candace and everyone down there for us because it seemed like you had a really good time seeing her in action uh, this uh, past couple of weeks, and that's cool. Man, let me say one thing about Candace. Yes, please. I've never been to a WNBA game before. WNBA games to me are like hockey. Until you're there in person and you see the speed, like you don't understand it. Like when I went and saw a hockey game for the first time and you just see those guys fly by, you're like, damn, the TV doesn't do this justice. To watch those women like crossing up and banging in and like yelling at the refs, I was like, okay, like all the crap that I talked when I was younger and, and dumb, like I was wrong. But I'm telling you after game one, it goes to double overtime and they win and I stayed, I had to drive to, I didn't get back till four in the morning from Connecticut because I was there to watch her and I was going to drive home afterwards. But after the game, we're hanging out and we have a glass of wine and she has electric stim on her back and she's talking about getting an epidural in between games. And I'm just sitting there Man. going, and she's just a warrior, a warrior. And I'm watching the game last night and there's one where like she takes a charge, she gets up and she can barely bend. And she's like, and I see her whisper like, my back. And I'm like, yo, it's just dope when you see people push themselves to a level that you didn't even know that they were capable of. And it's like dropping 45, Bouchard. Like you just, you just gonna, <laughs> you let everybody know, like, nah, I do, I am disciplined, motherfucker. And like, yes. so I'm so proud of her. And uh, man, I hope she wins a ring uh, so that. Damn, I think everybody on the desk then would have two or three rings. I got to get some. Holy rings. shit, you're right. Yeah, how do we get you rings? Yeah, I tell you Damn. what, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's the same as as in a WNBA or an NBA championship, but we will send you a case of liquid death, uh, courtesy of uh, of us, because I think personally, I think it is. If you have trouble drinking water. Uh, I have no trouble drinking water after it comes out of this. So my can's empty. Yeah, we. I'm I'm going through three just as we talk to you, brother. So is it I. Booze? No, it is. It is literally just mountain spring water in a can that has like the coolest, awesomest flaming skull on it, straight from the Alps. And 10% of all their profits uh, go right to uh, recycling aluminum. Which, by the way, did you know that this is. Like probably aluminum from eighteen ten or twenty or something like wow. that. Because so they're trying to eliminate all the uh, plastic bottles and stuff. We appreciate that. And uh, uh, a Philly company that uh, born in in L.A. and huge Eagles fans and punk rockers and fits right in. So we appreciate you, man. Shout out Liquid Death. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, thank you for taking some of your night. And uh, we will catch up with you real soon, man. As always, I'll go be birds. Be down there and kick all your ass and darts. Good talk. <laughs> there, you there it is. Let's Please, go. Great to see you. Great talking to you too, man. And uh, the dartboard's always ready. Sounds good. See you, fellas. Yeah.